Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 185, your once-weekly live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm Rhett. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek. Uh, I am going to change the cadence here a little bit because... I have, I've always said this is a family-friendly show. I don't know that by the definition of family-friendly, it's entirely because sometimes we do discuss issues that uh, go I wouldn't discuss in front of my nine-year-old. And so I think I'm going to change it to this is a PG-13 show. There you go. So it's still, you know, minimal as far as uh, language and content, but occasionally it's out there. And, you know, we haven't really tried to slow that down, but I... I don't think it's a, you know, R-rated show by any means. No, yeah. PG-13, I, th- I think, is fair. There so this yeah. is a PG-13 show in both language and content. We do read all Super Chats on the air, so long as they meet those uh, content criteria. Uh, and if you want to join the Super Secret Chat and the even more Super Secret After Party, think about joining the Patreon or Floatplane. Links are both down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to the Discord server, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all of the hosts from Talking Heads, and join the ever-growing and awesome community over there. Welcome to Wednesday, everyone. Rhett, how you doing? You barely made it here. Barely made it here. <laughs> I had to barrel down the freeway. I mean, this is this is the, the reality of having a boss that just won't let you work from home anymore, right? Uh, so, I lame. Mean, He's like, you got to be here. We're a live show. We're here at 8 p.m. And I'm just like... Oh, you're talking about me? <laughs> you looked away, but I pointed at you. You can you can relive that uh, beautiful moment. And, uh, but yeah, no. I am not working from home anymore either. So in real yeah. life and YouTube life, yeah. uh, all of a sudden, all bets are off. Yeah. Didn't, um, didn't know you were throwing me under the bus there. Well, it was a really fun visual joke. Everyone else got to see it. It, it was. <laughs> I was looking away. I was. I I I didn't have a spot to rest my arm on the desk, and so I've been doing this the whole show already, and and it was driving me nuts. And so I was adjusting my own crap, getting comfortable. I don't blame you. So. I don't blame you. See, the boss makes it all about himself. That's all right. Was, <laughs> That's right. No, I'm just kidding. No, but uh, yeah, actually, I surprised myself getting here on time because I was not sure. I was I was texting Jeff before, and I said, "Hey, man, I'm looking at Google Maps. It's gonna be close. Like, yeah, but I could definitely make it home beforehand. So should I just get home and hop on?" And he's like, "Hey, man, if you're up for it, get over here." I was like, "Eh, screw it. I'll take a risk. John's late all the time." Yeah, what's an eight oh five start time? You know, <laughs> we'll make so. it work. And uh, I got yeah, I even got here a couple minutes before I thought I would. So yep, mm. yep, very Perfect. cool. Welcome to Wednesday, everyone. Welcome to Talking Heads. So awesome to uh, have the show going. Uh, yeah, uh, let's start it off the right way by actually opening some beers. Now, Cheers. Rhett is completely clueless, clueless to what we have here. Uh, I've got two uh, very different style beers from one another. Uh, first up, I've got Cascade Lakes Brewing Company Salted Caramel Porter. Mm, this uh, is what I need. Yeah, 5.8%. <laughs> pretty pretty solid beer. This one is a special one I picked up almost two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was made uh, during the final gosh, season. Wasn't final. I think it was season seven. They started coming out with these, but uh, it's a Game of Thrones branded beer uh, from uh, Omgang Brewing. Uh, O M M E 
Gang Brewery. Uh, it is the My Watch Has Ended Imperial Brown Ale brewed with maple syrup and fenugreek. Uh, 8%. Uh, and this is one of those beers where it's like, it's not overly strong. It's only 8%, but it's also a bomber. And so I have dozens of bombers in my fridge because we used to do talking heads in person all the time. Yeah. And so that's what I bought is you can have a really good beer and spend a little bit more and split it between two people and you're great. I have a hard time sitting down and having one of these in one sitting. <laughs> yeah. So kinda tough, kind of tough. Yeah. Uh, which one do you want to start with? I'll, I'll give you a well, um, guest choice. I, I'm really partial to the way this salted caramel porter sounded. Not that this doesn't sound good. This sounds right. delightful, but all right. Uh, you know, I'm just a sucker for, for porters, first of all. Salted caramel it is. Do you do caramel or caramel? I guess it depends. Like, if I'm eating them, it's caramel. Mm -hmm. But, like, if it's a recipe, caramel. You know? Okay. I don't know why I do that. I think that's fair. Like, oof, oof. Mm. Mm. Oh. <laughs> How do you say it? Uh, I usually say caramel. Oh. Because I'm not pretentious. Well, fair enough. Yeah. I have no defense. Guilty, Your Honor. <laughs> oh, that's good. Dang, that, that is really that good. is just what Papa needed. <laughs> That's just what Papa needed. Yep, it it's a porter with the right amount of 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 roastiness behind it, without being like pastry stout thick. Yes, yeah. it's what, roasty uh, but still fairly light. And and you can taste the salt, mm -hmm. which like most people are like. What are you doing? Why are you okay? But first of all, like salt and stuff is really good. It like, is. It's why your body needs it or you die. <laughs> it's why French fries taste better with it. It's why everything tastes better with it. Not only that, if you yeah. guys haven't tried it, I, uh, my, my grandpa, you know, everybody always talks about how their grandpa had this, like, you know, they drank cowboy coffee and keep you up all night. Okay. Yeah, that was yeah. just like, that was a drugs. Yeah. But this, my grandpa used to put salt. <laughs> Pretty sure that salt. was the caffeine. Right. Yeah. My grandpa would put salt <laughs> in his black coffee and drink it that way. And, uh, I really like a dash of salt in a cup of black you coffee. You know? I've never heard of that. I've never tried that, but I'm very intrigued. And it, well, that's and the reason I bring it up is because I get that hint of salt that I would get out of that cup of coffee because you're yeah. getting a little bit of coffee notes out of this. Yeah, but maybe that's maybe that's the caramel. Um, yeah, the caramel, the caramels. It's a real late uh, caramel flavor. It, it doesn't sweeten up until very very late mm -hmm. in the profile. Um, but no, I get exactly what you're saying. Um, because yeah, you you definitely taste the salt, and it's it's right up front to right through the middle of of the flavor. Yeah, that roastiness is present all the way through, and so yeah, I, I was gonna say coffee, but well, see the the beauty of it is is that like you know you look at your tongue and you, and you got uh, sorry, it's like a little bug. <laughs> Every yeah. time I'm just like ah. <laughs> uh, you know your tongue's got four different types of receptors, and bitter one is you use with beer a lot, sour you use with some beers, but salt. Is a scent, rece uh, scent receptor, taste receptor on your tongue mm -hmm. that you don't use with beer that often. Yeah. And so here we're kind of engaging that. Uh, and so it definitely stands out and it doesn't, yeah. it's not much, but mm, dang, it's good stuff. I'm still used to not streaming live. So my uh, headphones don't have a place to live. And <laughs> so right. I had a whole setup for over a year. I know Taylor and, comes on the, you know, to the chat and he goes, and he was telling me afterwards, he's like, 
dang, looks like the production value went way up. And I was like, was it just the L cars? And he's like, oh, yeah, I guess that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Did I get him? Oh. I thought I did. Nope, I don't see him. Let's Mr. Miyagi this and get some chopsticks out. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Got to get my chopsticks out. All right. Uh, There we go. Well, let's go ahead and move on to... I didn't get him. He's still there. I know. Mm. All right. Let's keep it PG-13. That's right. Let's move on to a uh, little bit of tech news. Uh, starting with, uh, sorry, Rhett, but your well, no, not anymore because I forgot I upgraded you. Uh, your your old graphics card is no longer going to be functional, I'm or at least not getting any further updates as of version 470 from NVIDIA. Uh, Kepler, that is NVIDIA 600 and 700 series GTX cards. Driver support is officially ending as of revision 470. Uh, this is nothing shocking to a lot of people. I'm actually kind of surprised that we got support for Kepler as long as we did. Um, when I did the build with the dual GTX 690s just a month and a half ago, uh, that had a 100% up-to-date driver. (laughs) And that's kind of shocking from a graphics card from 2012. Yeah. I mean, that's nine years of, of active driver development for those cards. Uh, so yeah, uh, Kepler, I'd say we hardly knew ye, but uh, it, it's been a card that just kind of never died and an architecture that that has uh, done fairly well over the years. So pour one out. I'm not going to pour one out, but I'll <laughs> but I'll certainly uh, give them a, a good old cheers. So I'll pour one into my mouth. There you go. Jeff's GTX 690s cried out in sadness. Uh, they did, and they also realized that they'll never get to fulfill their destiny as living in or by living in the cloud gaming server. Uh, <laughs> so that's what I originally bought them for. Was uh, I went that's a really good price on a 690. I might as well buy three of them and see what I can do with it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so end of an era. Boy, Maxwell's next. 900 series cards are next. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Microsoft, in an announcement earlier this week, uh, teased a major, major, like the largest revision to Windows, both graphically and architecturally, is coming to Windows in 2021. So the, the second half Windows update. Uh, and... All it says is next generation of Windows is in the works. It will be one of the most significant updates to Windows of the past decade, uh, which takes us all the way back to uh, the original version of Windows 10 in 2000. Gotcha, what was that? No, I guess Windows 8.1 was 2012. Yeah. Trying to think of when Windows 10 officially debuted. I think it was 2014. Yeah, it was quite a bit later. Yeah. Yeah, because it... You know what? I'm going to look it up because I don't remember yeah, entirely. Yeah, as well. I want to I be accurate when I'm uh, talking about it. Uh, 2015. Okay, I was close. July 15th, 2015. RTM. Well, does that factor in like the soft rollout they did for it? Because uh, didn't they do a soft rollout for Windows 10 or was it just like... 
upgrade, go. Uh, upgrade all around. Uh, RTM was uh, is released to manufacture, and so that was when it was officially released to oh, be gotcha. sold by by companies as part of packages. Gotcha. And, yeah, and so that's that's typically ref, uh, known as the official release date. See, I was is... such a, a late adopter of Windows 10 that <laughs> I had to use the accessibility backdoor to you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> to get it by basically saying that I would use it for accessibility features and stuff because otherwise they discontinued like the the free upgrade. Yeah. Um which was irritating. Um, you know they they've said that there's an end date to the free upgrade, but they've never really stopped the free upgrade. Right. Um in fact uh who is it? Is it Paul's Hardware? I think had a tweet earlier this this week. Uh, that he goes, this uh, Windows XP key is magic because I've activated like nine Windows 10 licenses with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the Sun Valley Windows update, which is due sometime this fall. Uh, like I said, largest graphical and architectural upgrade uh, to Windows in quite some time. Um, uh Soon we'll share one of the most significant Windows updates of the past decade to unlock greater economic opportunity for developers and creators uh, was also one of the the talking points in there. Now they gave, of course, absolutely no further details on it. So it's rife with speculation. I've been saying for a long time, I think eventually the Linux core is coming to replace the, the, the NT core architecture, which I guess technically Windows 10 doesn't run on... Does it run on NT? Yes. Yes. Uh, anyway, it's coming to replace the Windows kernel, uh, especially because of all the integrations that we've been seeing with uh, with uh, Linux on Windows and their developer programs and, and whatnot. Uh, .NET development environment being available on Linux now. PowerShell being available on Linux now. You don't do those types of releases just to give Linux a bone, which is a, make no bones about it, 100% competitor to Microsoft in every way, shape, and form, regardless of whether it's free or not. You don't just go, oh yeah, here's our here's our software, go, go run it on your thing, uh, without some other end goal in mind. And I think that end goal is Linux is, or Windows is going to become another distribution of Linux. It's going to run its own kernel, but at its base, it will be Linux, just like, huh. just like Android, just like, a lot of other things that are out there so that'd be interesting let's see it happen yeah in hashtag soon uh commodore fan says i don't care what microsoft does they can't get me to use windows 10 period well then your operating system is completely out of date and so help you on the internet hmm sorry i use the internet as a series of pipes and pulleys and uh, carrier pigeons yeah I know Windows 7 was great. Windows 7 has also been end of life for well over a year and a half now. Yeah. Uh, not only has it been end of life for that length of time now, uh, development for Chrome and Firefox and everything else for Windows 7 ceased a couple of years before that. Uh, so God help you if you're still <laughs> <laughs> on Windows 7. Didn't Windows 90, uh, didn't 95 have NT? No, uh, XP was the first, or technically Windows 2000 was the first uh, non-DOS, uh, or uh, non-DOS that you could get essentially with a home license. And so there was one Windows NT, 
uh, 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, 3.5, 4.0, um, and then Windows 2000 merged NT for both consumer users as well as enterprise users. And then uh, uh, Windows XP was the first official home release of, of the NT kernel. So, uh, but no, Windows 95, the kernel was still DOS. Uh, and and so was it for 98 and 2000, or uh, not 2000, but ME. I'm a Manjaro Linux guy. Well, then why are you commenting about how you'll never use Windows? I understand that. <laughs> just, like a, just like a vegan. Linux people, God. They got, they got to tell you. Here's, here's the deal. I run Linux too, and I run Mac OS. And I run Windows, and I run lots of other things. They're tools. <laughs> Won't be caught dead using a DeWalt. I'm a Milwaukee all the way. Like, <laughs> I get it. I get it. You like Canon, I like Nikon. It's yeah. I mean, the I mean, DeWalt does make higher quality. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not that Milwaukee, they don't. But, but you want to talk about craftsmen? Mm -hmm. Come at me. Yeah, so I they'll never get me to use Windows 10. They weren't going to get you to use Windows no matter what they did. <laughs> Why are you saying anything? Gosh. <laughs> I'll never eat meat. Sir, this is a CrossFit gym. <laughs> I used to do a joke on stage about um, somebody trying to order from Starbucks and refusing to like use the Starbucks names for it. You know, they're like, I just want a pint of coffee. <laughs> Sir, I need you to say the word. No. <laughs> Why did you come here then, sir? <laughs> That's good. I was like, uh, what, what movie was that with Paul Rudd uh, refusing to say uh, this? Te technically, Venti is. is right, and, yeah. And uh, uh, so, congratulations, you're wrong in all three languages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the whole bit was about how they just refuse to actually like measure things properly. Yeah. And so then they go to Starbucks where it's like, they have fun words for everything, and they just even refuse to do that. There's a whole buildup, and they were vegan, so yeah, you know, perfect. I, I don't know what that has to perfect. do with anything, but it it was in there, and people laughed at that bit. I don't know why. <laughs> Apparently, everybody has their own interpretation of what it means to be vegan. Yep, <laughs> especially at a Starbucks holding up the line. But there you go. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, we do have a couple of Apple uh, notes to talk about. Uh, first and foremost, this is the one that I saw first, so it's the one we'll talk about first, uh, that there might have been a leak of what the iMac Pro looks like. Uh, so this is not the new Apple Silicon Mac Pro. That'll probably be next year. Uh, but the iMac Pro, uh, which is definitely due for an upgrade, uh, supposedly is going to look something like this. Um, now... We don't have much information as far as the internals on it go, but we do have at least ports on the rear right here, which is from what we can see, four, U uh, four USB type C's. Uh, I'm assuming they're all Thunderbolt. At least I would hope they would have uh, all, all four Thunderbolt 4, whereas the current iMacs only have two Thunderbolt 4 and then two USB-C uh, 3.2s. So I'm hoping for more bandwidth on this, more more connectivity. Uh, we also see that they're still using the proprietary power plug on the back, so there's going to be a power brick on this thing. Uh, power button over here on the on the side. 
Uh, I'm assuming the head the headphone jack's also going to be on the side. I'm assuming it's still going to be just as thin as the as the standard iMac. And uh, yeah, uh, the other note that I heard was that they were considering adding an SD card slot to the side of the iMac, so you don't have to plug in a card reader or any of that crap. Um, I will say, uh, I. While I'm not a huge fan of making desktops thin for the sake of making them thin at the sacrifice of, well, we couldn't fit a full length headphone jack because the desktop itself is too thin. So we had to put it on the side. At least they didn't remove the headphone jack from the iMac. Um, but I do like to see the integration of the RJ45. I'm assuming since it's the iMac Pro, I would like to see 10 gigabit as standard. I don't want to see a gigabit option, especially with no internal storage upgrades with, you know, if it's a professional machine, it deserves professional connectivity. End of story. Uh, regardless of if it's serviceable and whatnot, like reds are professional cameras. And again, God help you if you uh, need to ever have that thing serviced, but it still has professional connectivity to it. And that's what I would expect out of a machine that says pro. Um, so I want 10 gig, I want four Thunderbolt fours. Uh, and we know this is not gonna be an M1 based Mac because we saw a rumor a couple of weeks ago that the iMac will be the last M1 based Mac. Uh, likely we'll be seeing newer Apple Silicon uh, that's a little bit beefier in some of the newer devices coming out. Um, so yeah, what do you think of the uh, of the display? Mm. Not for me. Not for you. <laughs> I've never been an Apple fan to begin with. Yeah. No, you know, I ho I hope that uh, some of these leaks turn out to be uh, true. Uh, you know, because the iMac is in need of a desperate upgrade for sure. Mm -hmm. But again, yeah, I just I just never been a big Apple fan. So so keeping up with the leaks, keeping up with with the the current thing, mm -hmm. it would be interesting to see what they use if not the M1. Um, yeah. So that, that'll be fun to keep an eye on. But other than that, eh. Yeah. The, the main thing that I'm looking for here is I'm spec watching. I yeah. um, And I, I have two M1 Macs at the moment. I have a Mac Mini and I have a MacBook Pro. Yeah. And um, I bought the Mac Mini to essentially be the controller for my 3D printing desk, which is in the works. In which fact, is actually a great idea. My, my Prusa is sitting back here now. So Ooh. yeah, the little white box right there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, good for you. Yeah. So yeah, I've I've got the Prusa Mark III and I've got a uh, an an Elgu uh, Mars, Mars two. Yeah. So looking forward to both of those, uh, getting those up and running finally. Uh, but yeah, I bought a Mac Mini specifically to do all of my CAD work and all of my send to print uh, kind of thing uh, from one desk. And while yes, my 16 core. 59 or 5950X is sitting right next to the Mac mini. I like having separate stations for separate things. And so if I'm working on CAD, I want to turn my chair around and I want to work solely on CAD. I don't want to be distracted by other things yeah. because I will be distracted by other oh things. Oh God, God help you. And so. You and me both. Yeah. So I, it's, it's a separation physically for me that has to happen. Um, but speaking of spec watching and potential new specs. Uh, the Mac mini has some new rumors uh, as reported by John Prosser. Uh, 
Now, we are getting an all-new design for a Mac Mini from the looks of it. Uh, four USB-Cs, two USB-As, an RJ45 port. It looks like they're using the same exact proprietary power connector as the iMac and the iMac Pro. And then we've got an HDMI over here. Uh, now this one, we actually have some information on what might be coming as far as the silicon goes. Uh, the Mac Mini will showcase Apple's new M1X processor. So a quick rundown on the original M1 is it's uh, essentially using ARM's big little architecture, but Apple's own spin on it, uh, which uh, for those who don't know, big little is using some high powered processors, processor cores and some low power processor cores on the same die. Uh, and so for the, for the uh, M1 processor, it has four low power cores and four high power cores. And it uses them both at the same time. Uh, it's not like you have to choose one or the other or applications have to choose one or the other. When you're launching a web or when you're launching Chrome, you'll see one thread on your high process on a high, high, yeah. You'll see one thread on a high performance processor shoot up and then you'll see a little activity on all the little ones and then it'll go away. And just for regular browsing whatnot, your little ones just kind of trickle on and then occasionally you'll see a spike on a high performance core. Um, and so it's, it's Apple relegating what's what do I need to do very quickly? What needs the performance cores? And what can, you know what? I can sit back for a half a second and just let this thing figure it out. Uh, and it the architecture works really well. And we've already seen the battery life improvements on the MacBook Pro from that architecture. But that's with eight CPU cores. That is four little cores, four big cores, and then either seven or eight core uh, graphics uh, processor. Uh, the M1X, I am already very intrigued by, and I may be replacing this Mac Mini as soon as this launches. Um, they're getting me hook, line, sinker if this is the case. Uh, so the M1X may have a total of 10 cores, eight of them high performance, and two of them low energy. So much, much faster. And we've already seen single core performance on the M1, is nearly as good as the 5950X. And for a first generation product, that's insane. For a second iteration product, I'm not calling this a next generation, I'm calling this a next iteration, and so is Apple, they're calling it the M1X. Uh, 10 total processing cores, eight of them with high power. It will also be offered with either 16 or 32 graphic core variations. Let me put this into perspective. The current M1 Mac has eight graphics processors, or sometimes seven, depending on which model you got. Uh, both of mine have eight. Both of mine very easily, uh, they, they're somewhere around GTX 1050 Ti to GTX 1060, like eight graphics processors. Do you realize what 16 or 32 is going to look like on an M1 Mac. <laughs> like we're talking GTX or sorry, let's let's say let's say minus the ray tracing. Let's say RTX 2060 at a very minimum, maybe 2070. If 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 it scales, if it works out to be true. Um that's insane. And by the way, the M1 is only a 35 watt processor. If they keep this thing at 60 watts, I'm still gobsmacked. And if this turns out to be true, 
I will buy this computer day one. <laughs> and if this turns out to be true, and if it's, let's say it's $1,000. Let's let's say the Mac mini goes up from 700 to $2,000. Heck, 1,200. At $1,200, it's probably the best gaming PC you could buy. <laughs> Doesn't that hurt on, on some deep philosophical level? A little bit. <laughs> A little bit, especially just on the last tab, how much crap I was talking about Apple. Right. But this is a, a field where they're making progress leaps and bounds. Mm -hmm. And so I hope this is true because yeah. this is this is just good for everybody. If so. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've talked about how uh, competition is good for everyone. It's it, it's it's good for Apple. It's good for Intel. It's good yeah. for AMD. It's good for NVIDIA. Uh, Apple doing well. Well, obviously it's good for Nvidia because they're trying to buy ARM, but, yeah. but obviously competition breeds more competition yeah. and breeds people to take more risks and shoot higher uh, and, and get more aggressive with things. Um, but uh, the leaps and bounds that I'm seeing in just the first generation uh, is astounding. And there's a reason I bought two Mac to M1 Max yeah. is the performance is there and it's real. And there's very few drawbacks that I found out so far uh, or that I've found so far. And the drawbacks are far outweighed by the positives that I've gotten from these machines. The M1 MacBook is the best laptop I've ever owned. Bar none. Straight up. And that's coming from a guy that owns a lot of laptops. Mm -hmm. That's coming from a guy who got out of the Apple ecosystem uh, j just to come back in and say that it's the best laptop he's ever owned. I mean, come on. Yep. Yep. I guess he didn't completely get out of the ecosystem. I've never been completely out of the ecosystem. I, I did stop buying them for personal for a number of years. You pulled up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mainly because of how they treated me for... Uh, an iPhone issue that I had. That's right. Where That's it, was, it was, yeah. I'm not getting into it, but one of the worst customer service experiences I've, I've ever had. Um, but uh, that being said, man, the performance is there and man, the benefits are there and far outweighed by any PC competitor right now. And Apple's always made either the best laptop or among the best laptops. This is setting a bar to a whole new standard. <laughs> and and that's saying something. Good. They need it. Yeah. Uh, who was that asking? Uh, Jeff, do I offer annual Patreons or only monthly? I only offer monthly. And uh, <clears throat> the reason being is I don't know what to price the annual and I don't know what perks I would give and that kind of thing. <coughs> like I, I just Dang. don't know. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things I think the monthly gives you. You can give bit. as much monthly as you want. Right. Uh, the, the the donation amounts that I have are, are uh, suggestions, guidelines <laughs> uh, for it and, and you get different perks at different levels. But uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the plus the monthly yeah. model gives you a little bit more control over what you're spending, how you're spending mm -hmm. it. I mean, I honestly don't know if I know of anybody that uses the annual model, but that's just me. Like, yeah. And I'm 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 spending a lot on on Patreon 
every month. So, mm-hmm. you know, I like to think that I'm with it, but who knows? But <laughs> um, yeah, this just gives you a little bit more chance because if it becomes something that you want to pull up on, like Jeff did with Apple a couple years ago, uh, you can pull up for a little bit, maybe drop your, your subscription down to a dollar a month or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. we all understand like money is an issue for so many people. And like, could you imagine just like dropping a huge chunk on an annual thing yep. and like, oh no, I need that money for gas to get to work. Yeah. Like that gas to get to work, you're going to get you more Patreon subscriptions, my friend. So go to work, make your money and come back. We'll be here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah call uh, with a minimum $1 a month gets you Discord access. Yep. That's all it takes. That, that $1 a month gets you started. Just mm-hmm. come on over, hang out. Hey, and if you want to do that annually, by all means, it's just going to re-up every, every month. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, uh, anyway, someone, uh, Emil says, I want a Mac Pro with six M1 chips and no thermal throttling. Uh, well, I can tell you in the desktops, there's no thermal throttling. The, the Mac Mini runs faster than the MacBook Pro. Um, and as much as I like the MacBook Pro, I also wanted a desktop over there devoted to just, uh, just my CAD work. I didn't want to load all that onto a laptop and have to carry an SSD if I wanted to work on something or anything. I wanted all of it over there. So good. Um, but yeah, uh, no, the, the rumors that I've heard about the new Mac processors, uh, and I think we covered this a while ago, uh, that Apple has planned 32 and 64 core Apple Silicon CPUs by 2022. So you want six M1s? How about a single 64 core high performance? Like that's more than you just asked for. <laughs> you asked for 24 cores with 12 and 12. <laughs> yeah. Or I guess 48 cores with 24 and 24. There we go. That's the right number. Um, is this annual thing something we have to look at now? Because there are people chiming in. You know, Dunkle, who's asking about it, he's saying, I don't join Patreon as long as it's monthly. Now we got yeah. Mr. John Z over here. He's like, look, I'd love to just drop 12 and not have to think about it. Yeah. If, um, is there somebody got to look at? It feels crazy. Well, well let, let, me, let me point counterpoint because people are going, I'd, I'd happily drop 12 a year. Well, the, the way that I do the, the Patreon is it's a donation per creation. But you can also set a cap on your donations. And so if you want to be part of the $4 tier, you can say, well, I'll give $1 per video until four videos, and then I stop. And your perks don't go away for the rest of the month. They, you just stop giving more money. Uh, and so you can cap it at a dollar and just pay $1 a month. And the advantage of that is you never know, you're, you're never going to notice that transaction. So you just keep paying me every month. What I don't understand is all these people are saying like, that way I don't have to think about it. Adam Haskins saying, you just don't have to, th- you just think about it once a year instead. How are people using Patreon? Right. Because like, I haven't thought about Patreon in years and I'm sub to like a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's just burning a hole in my bank account. So maybe I should think about it. But <laughs> like, do y'all not have like recurring just payments set up i mean my my craft computing subscription do y'all not out. have bank apps oh, sorry <laughs> it just doesn't come like it literally comes off my out of my bank account once i never have to think about it mm-hmm. yeah so like y'all using like prepaid cards and like i don't know I'm not trying to be judgmental i just don't understand it right like, and because patreon is meant to be 
the back of your mind, you're not thinking about it. Right. And, and I, trust me, I am all about getting monthly expenditures down. That's one of the reasons I was able to afford the house that we're in right now is taking a good hard look at everything that we did financially and paring everything down and going, what are the essentials? What are, what do we actually need? Are we spending too much on services? You know, what, what services can we shop around? What can we do better? And we landed on this one and it's been fantastic. But yeah, I use Patreon to manage my finances. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John. Uh. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I've never really thought annual would be easier than monthly. Um, because yeah. most things, even if that offer annual subscriptions, I usually pay for monthly, even if it costs me like an extra $10 a year, because I see that transaction every month versus, uh, I hate Amazon prime because every May or, or I think it's March that ours renews, uh, every March I'm looking at the bank statements. I go, where this hundred dollars come from or 120 come from? And it's like, oh, right. Prime renewed this month. Yeah. And and well not versus and that, yeah that takes me by surprise right i'm not a fan of that yeah i'm not a fan of once a year mm -hmm. but yeah this is all right we can we can talk about this more later that's just, that's just an interesting interesting idea because you know i like the fact that they they're mm -hmm. thinking that way but it just it yeah. doesn't make sense to me so and Emil says, I'm looking hard at an AMD Threadripper system once DDR5 comes out. Realistically, it'll probably have to a third the cost of an Apple to build my own workstation. Uh, not likely. I'm, I'm betting Apple will be price competitive. Wow. And faster. That's my bet. Wow. Yep. Yep, yep. And... Here's the cool thing. Apple has not said that they're going to bootlock their systems, that you will be able to run Linux um, on your systems. So keep that in mind. That bootcamp is not going anywhere. Uh, now, whether or not they're going to throw engineering dollars at making sure they develop the right drivers for, for Linux and, and everything else, that's a whole nother ball. That's a whole nother ball game. But they have said they're not going to lock it down. <laughs> what's up Bram what's up buddy our producer's in the office yes producer Ranny he's he's my shop assistant super cute yep he just got a haircut oh look at you a haircut a little baby butt a haircut and a brush <laughs> so he's been re-grooming himself all day <laughs> All right, I'm gonna look. All right, Jeff's letting out the production assistant. Yep. He's got a loud set of pipes on him. Pro production assistant, I like that better. Yeah. Oh, what did what did you say originally? I, I said shop assistant. Oh, yeah. Production. I'm sorry. God, I just gave him a uh, promotion. You, you just gave him a raise. <laughs> Dang it. Hey, we're unionized at Craft Computing. <laughs> I told Rhett when I hired him part-time, um, I have not yet written the sexual harassment policy. Please don't make me do so. <laughs> God, he sounds a little desperate there, doesn't he, guys? <laughs> Please don't make me. Don't make me write that. <laughs> All right. Moving right along. Uh, how's your beer doing? 
Well, it's empty. I see that. I see that. I'd hate to go. I mean, my throat is so scratchy. Y'all hear me coughing over here. I'm yeah. Like, Come on. It's probably just probably just you know nothing nothing too serious. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Okay. Should we do a, a Kyle and point this at our eyes first? Uh, absolutely. Honestly, I mean, you got glasses on. That so. that was a, a loose cork. That one was gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, look at the color on that. Hmm. And what kind of beer was this again, you said? This is an Imperial Brown. Oh. Yeah, Imperial Brown Ale. <clears throat> so there should be a little over 12 ounces for each of us. And yes, I'll pour this one for you. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Since, mm. you, since you got all indignant when I made you pour your own last week. Well, I come back after a whole year and you don't even want to pour my beer for me anymore. And there you go. Oh, it just occurred to me, too, that we never clanked glasses before. We, we didn't. Uh, well, I, Shall we? I owe you a cheers. Cheers. Cheers to you all as well. Drinking at home. Sign off in the chat if you haven't done so already. We didn't even we didn't even do that. Oh, God, we're throwing things crazy around yep. here now. Yep. Oh, God. Hmm. Oh, wow. Say what you will about Game of Thrones. This is a good beer. Yes. Uh, my watch has ended. Imperial Brown Ale brewed with maple syrup and fenugreek. Ooh. Oh wow, that's good. They made some choices with this beer. And that's what I'll say about it for now. Mm-hmm. They made some choices. Ah, that's really good. That's really good. Uh Hops and Brews says, uh, I hate you both. Oh wait, I'm drinking rye whiskey. Uh I just bought a couple of new bottles. I've got a Sazerac rye mm. up there. And what did I buy? Uh, I got a single malt Irish. Uh, I almost bought a bottle of Templeton Rye Cask Strength. Skull will know what I'm talking about. Uh, they had the the uh, the barrel strength uh, at my local bottle shop. I almost walked away with that one. Hmm. I might have to go back next week for that. So still working on my Mister Black Old Fashioned. Skull says. There you go. That's a that's a solid old fashioned. Uh, let's see. Is Rambo on Discord if you join the Patreon? You do get exclusive cat pics. I will say that. Yeah. Uh, Catterday is very real in the Discord server. Yes. And if it isn't, it will be now. Yeah. Mm. I don't even know how to describe this one. Well, it's definitely brown ale. Yes. It tastes figgy. You know, I didn't get figs at first, but yeah, there's definitely like a yeah. fruity note and yeah. it's definitely like, um, yeah, I was going to say like a winter fruit type thing. Are figs winter fruit? No, I don't think so. Cause they, they grow in like Italy, right? It's pretty warm there. Yeah. Um, um, but maybe we've got that connotation here in the States for some reason. Maybe, yeah. Maybe I'm not wrong. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, it's. This to me is a is a really solid brown ale with like a fruity red wine or something. Yeah, I mean I can see that. There's definitely yeah. something. Like I think figs. Mm -hmm. You're right on with that. That's the closest thing I can think of. That's not right, but it's close. <laughs> well, you say it and it makes me think cuz I buy dates every year. Mhm. Mm and I get like this like date jam and all this stuff from my parents. 
And it's like, I don't know, maybe there, there's something in there that's like kind of this like mashy fruitiness. Mm-hmm. And it's not like when I say fruit, I'm not talking like, oh, crisp apple and plums. Right. Like, like no, this is like, yeah, you know. Fruit um, that's seen a rough life. <laughs> yeah, but it's good. Uh, I like brown ales. Um, is this one of those bad brown ales that they call a sour? No. No, this is no, this not is a, sour this is a brown ale. at all. This is a brown ale. Like, it's a really good brown, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's that one? Like, what's that brown that everybody drinks? Like, uh, oh God, I'm about to like a shame everybody talking about comparing this to brown or browns, Newcastle brown. Uh, <laughs> it's not like Newcastle brown at all, but it does yeah. have the same character and, and, and things like that. This is just way higher quality. Yes. All right. Uh, moving right along to some Valve news. Mm. Uh, Valve is in the news this week because it was reported that Valve is working on their own PC Switch clone, which yeah, I just got done talking about how the GPD Win 3 is not a Switch. It's not competing with the Switch in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and here's another uh, news outlet going, they're making a Switch because it's a handheld gaming device. Like, I appreciate that Switch is now a noun because it's so ubiquitous with handheld, kind of like everything was a Game Boy or everything was a Nintendo when we yeah. were growing up. If you held it in your hand, it was a Game Boy. And if you played it on the TV, it was a Nintendo. Yeah. You play it on the Nintendo? Mom, this is a Sega Genesis. It, it's, you idiot. it's a noun. And Switch is now the noun. That anything handheld gaming-wise is, it's like a Switch. Yeah, but come on. Who plays their Switch handheld? Come on, guys. Right. Who's with me? Well, I Dot do. gang all the way. Well, I, I play my Switch handheld. Dot gang all Quite the way. Quite a bit. Uh, we do have the dock upstairs. Uh, my Switch is actually over here on this desk. But oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we have the dock upstairs for the, the bedroom I'm, TV. I'm just trolling you. I play it mostly handheld as well. Yeah. I do like to get on that that uh, that dock action a little bit. But it's just not quite the same. The, 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 the beauty of the Switch for me is that it allows me to actually play way more video games than I normally mm-hmm. would. Because... You know, when you got a family and all this sort of stuff, it's way more difficult to go tuck yourself away in yeah. the office or wherever. Or that's that's why I've been digging a lot of the GPD handhelds lately. Yeah. Um, like I said, uh, a couple of them were donated like back to back weeks uh, about six six or eight months ago, um, and those have been wonderful because not only have I been playing native games on there, like doing native emulation on there, and they're some of the greatest emulator handhelds that I've ever had because they run x86 and they're freaking phenomenal for it. Um, But they also do Parsec game streaming like an absolute dream. And so here in my house, I have perfect Wi-Fi pretty much everywhere. And so from any room, I can just open one of those and start playing whatever game I was playing on my PC. Mm. Um, I played halfway through Red Dead Redemption over, over Christmas and January this last year from the GPD handheld. Nice. Um, and it was great. And now I have one that runs it natively. I don't even need to stream it. Um, but this is not a Switch. It is definitely not a Switch. They don't compete in any way, shape, or form. No, no. one is looking at a $300 Switch and going, you know what sounds really good? A $1,400 PC handheld that I need to tinker with to make all the games work right. Right. It's not what people are looking for. <laughs> um so anyway, Valve is reportedly making a PC Switch clone, which means they're making a PC handheld. Uh, and it is called the Steam Pal, uh, which is a very interesting name, in my opinion. Um, 
as part of Valve's push, the Steam Pal will likely feature a Linux-based OS. So could we see a return of Steam OS uh, or pop possibly just an Ubuntu or Pop OS-based uh, system uh, with native driver support and native integration of Steam Play and, and Proton? Right. That would be fantastic. Um, but... Uh, uh, SteamPal is expected to output video via external dis uh, to external displays via USB-C, and the controllers are expected to come with a standard array of buttons, triggers, and joysticks. In addition, in addition to a small touchpad and maybe even a D-pad. I consider a D-pad a normal button to have. Um, yeah. As as much as I kind of like the Steam controller, I also kind of hated the Steam controller. Yeah. Um, and and I know people will defend it to the death. Look, unless you spent so much time with it that you got comfortable with it, it was always a little bit weird. It didn't play everything perfectly. Yeah. It was great for some things. The Steam controller was great for some things, but it was not a replacement for an ABXY and a D-pad. Yeah. Not even close. Um, so, with that said, uh, there's actually some news uh, or some some leaks potentially, uh, and this is over on thinkcomputer.org. So thank you, Bob, for uh, posting this one up. Uh, but uh, the Valve Gaming handheld will reportedly tote an AMD APU, oh, which is vastly different than what I was thinking originally. I was thinking this was going to be like a an ARM phone processor based streaming device. That's what I thought too because, you know, what's they have their stream box, right. you know, what, what what was that called? The the yeah, it was uh the Steam Link. The Steam Link. Yeah, yeah. I have one and yeah. you know, it's super cool. And I thought, oh, that I guess that'd be kind of easy to integrate into a little handheld thing mm -hmm. cuz like how much better that would be much better. You know, I mean the Steam Link's pretty cool, but um, so this is actually a massive step up from yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I know. Interrupt my own show. Gosh. Oh, wrong one. You're slouching, so I'm trying. I'm not. I'm actually standing up straighter than I was when I sat here. Yeah, you are. Okay. And and sorry, I did frame it for my stature. <laughs> I know. So. And this is the problem. His chair is. It just give you all a peek behind the curtain. Like his chairs are so tall. I'm six one, and I'm sitting with my my butt completely to the back of the chair, yep. and I can't touch the ground. <laughs> I'm six one. My my knees are at a ninety, and I'm flat footed on the ground. Oh, well, my knees are at a ninety two. Yeah, they also just dangle like schoolboy's <laughs> legs. That's why I keep kicking this dang waste basket in front of me because I'm just like <laughs> kicking my legs around. Yeah, it doesn't help uh, that also, like, yeah, I was trying to sit up straight, so my back got tired, and then I'm just like, ugh, ugh. Yeah. Anyway, I'll do better. Yeah. Sorry, all. You deserve better. You deserve better. From your Talking Heads co-host. That's right. That's right. I, I just expect more. You know? I do. It's true. Uh, but you get what you pay for, Jeff. <laughs> just kidding. Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, Valve Console expected to launch Q4 2021 with a custom AMD APU with a 7 to 8 inch touchscreen or 7 to 8 inch screen, codename Project Jupiter, um, and codename uh, Aerith for the APU. $399 price point. Wow. I, I mean, that's pretty good. I'd, I'd hop on board that. I, totally. 
expect a review as soon as as soon as possible. Because um, yeah, it, like I said, at first I looked at they're coming out with a with a Switch competitor called the Steam Pal, which I went, oh. oh, well, you have to have Steam running on a PC and it's just a streaming device. Cool, I can do that with my phone already for the last three years. It's the reason you discontinued the Steam Link is everything can stream Steam. Yeah. And I went, eh. This has me intrigued. This has me very intrigued. The name is horrible. Yes. And uh, honestly, Valve, I'm great at naming things. So... Yeah. Uh, anyway, the AMD Van Gogh and Aerith will feature a quad-core CPU with uh, with SMT, so four cores, eight threads. Uh, it's rumored to have uh, 512 stream processors based on RDNA 2 architecture, so so Navi-based architecture. Uh, something a la maybe like a 4500U. That's a heck of a price. 399 is a heck of a price. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Skull says you need to be this tall to be on Talking Heads. <laughs> I think I'm taller than John and Steve. You are. You are. But you're not as tall as me. <laughs> no. Jeff's tall. I'm taller than most people I meet, but... I mean, that's not saying much. There's a lot of short people out there. Yep. Uh, what's funny is when you get to be... I'm 6'5". Um, I'm actually taller than Jay's two cents. Um, it, it's really irritating because uh, uh, I... For the last couple of CESs, um, I, I've been at a party with uh, uh, Josh, formerly known as Fractal Josh, uh, Jay's Two Cents, and me. And we're some of the tallest people in the room. But I look at Jay and I went, I'm taller than you. And and it's like, you, you do this thing when you when you lock eyes with someone who's like over six or yeah. six and a half feet. And, and one, and the taller person will like assert dominance by lifting their chin. And the other guy will kind of like, like it, it's just it's subconscious but it happens uh and then and then you meet fractal josh and he's like a half inch or maybe a full inch taller than i am and it's like god yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. and then there's me and then there's Rhett. Just yeah my life just you know? cast off just, here we go mm-hmm. yeah you met you met josh oh yeah yeah Oh, yes. Yes. I was the life of the party, as you well know. <laughs> what, Josh left Fractal? Yes, uh, Josh left Fractal. Uh, a while ago, did he? August, I want to say. It's been a while. Um, yeah, Anna is now the uh, the PR manager for Fractal Design. Uh, runs their Twitter and, and whatnot. Anna's great. Uh, Anna's one of my, my favorite people to talk with on Twitter. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, Josh is uh, no longer at Fractal. Now he's Josh, Josh. Now he's just Josh. Well, just Josh. Yeah, yeah I like that better. Um, he's actually in my phone as the Josh formerly known as Fractal. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it pops up when whenever it rings. So, <laughs> All right, uh, let's get into some security news. And that is that Bose admits that it was hit by ransomware and that employee data was accessed. Uh, Everybody's hit by ransomware these days. Yep. Uh, now, here's something you don't hear every day. And so props to Bose for this. They were able to recover without paying the ransom. Oh. Which means Bose keeps proper backups, everyone. Not like, just Raid. I, 
I feel that is worth a round of applause <laughs> because how often have we heard Delta Airlines has been crypto locked or yeah. the, the Northeast Pipeline has been crypto locked oh. and or Kaiser Oregon has been crypto locked. Well, who was it? I was just reading that the not, not NHS in 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 uh, in the UK yeah. was crypto locked. Like it happens, and then those companies freak the f out yeah. because their backups don't work. There's no point to a backup if you can't recover from it, and uh, it really does show who has good internal policies and who does not. Um, hmm. So. I'm I'm not being facetious or or sarcastic when I say this, but bravo bows for keeping proper backups. Yeah. Um, however, there's a there's a turn to this one that the incident began on March seventh, uh, and they actually very quickly were able to recover. However, upon bringing in some forensic investigators, some uh, cyber forensics, they have to put cyber on any word. Uh, some digital forensics people uh, from a third party. Uh, Bose further initiated a comprehensive process to investigate the incident. Given the sophistication of the attack, Bose carefully and methodically worked with its cyber experts, there it is again, uh, to bring its systems back online in a safe manner. Uh, however, they did determine that uh, uh, as of, gosh, where was it at? Uh, missing what they actually got a hold of. Anyway, they accessed employee data, uh, personally identifiable information uh, of employee data. Um, it's not not the best look. Uh, and if I was a Bose employee, I'd be pretty upset. Yeah. Um, because number one, at least they had good backups. But number two, it means they were keeping some data plain text or non-encrypted. Um, and, and at this point, it's almost... It's almost required to encrypt your own data, even on your own servers, uh, because of attacks like this. Uh, so, uh, Adam says backup validation is a real problem. Even if you're doing them, validating them is hard. Uh, it is, it's very hard. Um, I actually, my next, not, not my next video, but the next, next video, uh, will be about backup validation because I'm doing something to my file server I'm, I'm making up for a mistake I made with my file server. Spoiler alert. Um, and uh, part of that is I'm going to be fully testing my backup system and making sure that everything gets put back in the right place. Uh, so look out for that. But yes, there's a reason internally that you have development networks, uh, in, entire banks of servers specifically for developing, specifically like we... We home labbers achieve or strive to achieve basically being able to tinker with our with our systems and test different configurations or variables or whatever else. And if something is lost, it's not that big of a deal because it was just for development. What a lot of home labbers end up doing though is running production services in their home labs that are all used equipment with no backups. Um, so, and it's a slippery slope because you have all this hardware, why not make it work for you? But buying more hardware to keep backups and buying even more hardware to have a development network where you can actually test your backups without affecting your live production gear, that's tricky. <laughs> uh, so 
I feel at this point in my rack, at least, I have achieved having a full development network as well as having a full production network, them being able to be separate from each other. Uh, I can wipe my dev work network with no qualms whatsoever. And I have a full backup of both my development and production networks. It's a very rare position to be in. Um, but like I said, tomorrow actually, I will be testing those backups. So yes. <laughs> you know, I feel like there's a, there's a room for a sweet Hamilton reference here. Raise a glass to backups. <laughs> Something they can never take away, no matter what they tell you. There you go. I did it. Bravo. Bravo. Your Tony's in the mail. Thank you. I did it, everybody. Go watch Hamilton if you haven't done it. Tell you what, I'll print you a little one. Really? Yeah. Just yeah. hanging above my desk? That's right. Oh. Will you sign it? Sure. Thank you. You want it on the base or like across the face of it? Whatever makes it more official. <laughs> <laughs> eBay.com. <laughs> Let's uh, see what my celebrity is worth. <laughs> hey, you know, we got some we got some Tony winners living in our fair city. You yes, we do. We do. Broadway Tony Award winners for The mm -hmm. Lion King. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yep. <sighs> hey, mute it after I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I couldn't pass it up. Normally, I wouldn't have asked permission, but <laughs> I, I felt like I had to. Great. Now we're going to get copyright strike. <laughs> oh, God. You're probably right. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> you're fine. I don't care about monetization on this channel. I was... Or on this show, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was totally Oh, no. Off... Not talking heads. Ah. I was off key and pitch enough that I don't think any algorithm could have caught it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, moving right along, we actually do have a sponsor to get to tonight, and that sponsor is Linode. Hold on, my hotkey's not working. Ah! Linode. There it is. Ah! Oh, shoot. Yeah, I'll move. No, I, I forgot to resize my... Ah! <laughs> oh, everybody, it is Rough. live. It is live. Rough. That's what happens when I, like, decide to move my camera gear around, and yeah. <laughs> we'll just take that one out. We'll be I'll be back in a mere moment. All right. So I'm going to go over here and I'm going to wait a half second. All right. Today's episode of Talking Heads is brought to you by Linode. A large chunk of my audience watches for the home lab content, but not everyone has the funds to get started or wants to dedicate an entire room in their house for a full server rack. You also have to deal with the power and cooling requirements, hardware upgrades and replacements, and the noise that comes with hosting your own data center. And that's exactly what we were just talking about. Rather than hosting your own physical cloud yourself, let Linode host one for you. If it runs on Linux, it'll run on Linode. That includes the software from most of my tutorials on the channel, like how to run your own ad-blocking recursive DNS server, VPN gateways, host your own uh, Plex server, and more. Linode makes it simple to deploy and manage your own cloud services, with solutions ranging from a single shared CPU to massive multi-core virtual machines, even official, yeah, even dedicated RTX GP, even dedicated RTX 6000 GPUs for graphic rendering or machine learning. 
With shared CPU plans starting at as little as $5 per month and scaling up to as high as you need to go, you'll find a hosting plan that fits your needs. Install your favorite server apps and services from scratch, or start with one of the many pre-configured one-click installs from the Linode App Marketplace. Even if you do host your own servers, you can use them to keep a backup of your systems off-site. Visit linode.com slash craftcomputing and get a $100 60-day credit just for signing up for a new account and get your home lab or small business started today, or large business, or full enterprise, or keep backups. That's linode.com slash craftcomputing. And thanks to them again for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> Cheers to that. <laughs> Take four. Thanks, John. <laughs> we'll get there. My Elkar's immersion is broken. I know. I. The thing is, I changed my camera output from 1080 to 4K. And so OBS doesn't handle that very well. And so it blew up the, the crops that I had for the small screens. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I just completely forgot to resize that screen. Uh, it did the same thing on the web page screen uh, before the show too. And I went, oh, I need to fix that one. But I didn't think about the sponsor screen. That's all right. It's just, he's just making up for the perfect flawless copy read he had last week. <laughs> That's right. Where everything went flawlessly without a single hitch. It did. It was perfect last week. But I will say I... Um, Last week visually wasn't the greatest show because I was, I had been working so hard on like making the one man show look so good. And then it's like, we have to do an in-person show and it's like, oh crap, I need to redo all of my graphics. I don't know how to do lighting for a two person show anymore because my lighting has all been one man based for the last 18 <laughs> months. Um, and so last week it was just awful. Today, I think the lighting is back on point. It, it looks good. It looks great. But yeah. you want to know what your uh, co-hosts were doing for lighting? I mean, I shined a desk lamp at my face. <laughs> I just gave you some studio lights. That was before. That's true. It's true. That was before the the lights that you gave me. The studio lights Are you are... at least using the camera? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Once okay. you set the camera, obviously, okay. I was doing that too. And before that, I was using your webcam. <laughs> and before that, I was using your... No. Um, right. I think before that I used my phone. I like streamed. You used my your phone, phone a couple of times. Uh, I think I did the audio off my computer. You so did audio have... on computer so you could have the chat and everything up. And then you did the webcam as your yeah, phone. Yeah. And so yours was annoying because I had to set uh, specific things in uh, Zoom to make it lock onto your, yeah. your cell phone camera instead of the blank image whenever yeah. your audio was coming through. Yeah. Um. So, you know, we've made it, but yeah, now I have lights Yeah, and a sweet camera to look. That's right. That's right. But now I'm here, so. Yeah. Now you look even better. That's true. Yeah. Looks great. Fantastic. Yep. Like I said, the lighting's on point tonight. I'm, I'm very happy with, uh, with how it looks. Oh, uh, let's see. No more one-man band craft computing? Oh, I'm still a one-man band. Six days of the week, at least. <laughs> Love the Elkar's theme. It's brilliant. Thank you so much. I figured it was rather appropriate given that usually for at least the last 15 minutes of the show, we break down into some Star Trek talk. Um, Jeff, you did do the red rant alert or also the yellow alert and blue alert. Number one, screw blue alert and screw black alert. Those don't exist in my mind. It's it's red, yellow, and condition green. Um, 
But uh, I do have a rant alert. But we got to earn it. We got to earn it. I, I was close <coughs> early in the stream. There, there was a moment that Rhett was was going off just a little bit, and I, I had my. That there's a hot button right here. That I was close. My thumb was on it. Don't worry, guys. I just I'm almost done with my second beer. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. I got a I got a Rainier out in my car. <laughs> Somebody I think last week was saying that it was like Popeye and spinach for me. Uh, it so really is. If we really need it, I'd go out there. Exactly. We'll, we'll earn it. Don't worry, guys. Gosh, what was the... Uh, there was a web cartoon of uh, Popeye being this gassy, bloated... <laughs> yeah. Like a... Uh, like he's like, yeah, olive oil, I'll take you out for a date or something like that. And uh, oh, Popeye and whatnot. And then he opens a can of spinach and she goes, you told me you'd stop. (laughs) 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 Just a minute. And and he like downs it. And all of a sudden he's like, just like doubled up in pain, cramping and farting and everything else. And uh, Bluto walks up and goes, let's get out of (laughs) here. It's fantastic. Of course. Yeah. Uh, Andrew with a $5 donation. Thank you so much, Andrew. 14, 12 terabyte drives in the house. I am uber jealous. Uh, I'm assuming 12 in a RAID Z6 and then two for cold spares. I'm assuming. I'm assuming you know what you're doing. Uh, blue alert is fine. I guess blue alert kind of okay. Um, but yeah, uh, Dell Enterprise drives. Ooh. Very nice. Rant alert coming about the rant alert? No, not worth it. Not worth it. Um, I will say one story I didn't add to the list that I probably should have was Seagate is coming out with a set of enterprise SAS drives that are two seven terabyte uh, platters on two separate motors uh, that are about as fast as a SATA SSD. So mechanical hard drive, 14 terabytes, uh, 520 megabytes per second. Wow. Like that's impressive. Wow. That's impressive. Um, And I want 16 of them. (laughs) I don't know that I need to replace my eights, but the threes have got to (laughs) go. That is the plan in the super micro chassis. Excellent. 12 in the chassis plus uh, plus two is cold spares. I like it. Is Seagate worth it in the Enterprise? I do like Seagate in the Enterprise drives. Um, there's a video coming out tomorrow about Seagate, uh, about three terabyte drives in general, we'll say, um, and how I probably shouldn't have bought them. <laughs> well, it won't be out tomorrow. I'm filming it tomorrow. And then it'll probably be out like Tuesday. So. I was like, dang, I hope that's not the one you just sent me because I got to <laughs> drive home still after yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have that by morning, right? <laughs> God, well, he's, he's always in boss mode. I know. I know. At least I don't micromanage. <laughs> I can just imagine. The couch is right there. Workstation's over there. Don't I, leave till it's done. I expect to have it up by <laughs> breakfast. going to be... <laughs> But it's true. He does. He does not micromanage. That's why I had to leave my last job because the micromanaging is just too much. I hate micromanagers. It's just too much. I, like I said, I I spent the last 
nine years of, of my employment as, as a manager. And uh, I learned very quickly. Uh, not that I had any bad boss. I, I haven't really had a lot of bad bosses. Um, I did have a couple of micromanagers and I, I had one boss at this particular organization that I had to say, do you want it done or do you want it done your way? And that kind of took him back and, and kind of changed the conversation. And I said, you're paying me to do this. So please let me do this. And if I fail at your expectations, that's another issue entirely. But you hired me because I have a particular set of skills. Yeah. Let me exercise those skills. And from that point on, they just kind of backed up and went, cool, Good. he's got it. And uh, and and I learned that also very quickly as a manager myself. Right. Is is I started. Uh, I, I realized I was starting to micromanage because I'm very particular about the the order of operations that I do things in. That I expected everyone else would follow the same order of operations, right. be it priorities, via you know whatever else. And uh, I butted heads with uh, with a guy for for a, a couple of years about that. And finally, I just said, you know what? I just need to give him tasks and trust that it's going to be done regardless of the process of how it's done. Yeah. And it took me a couple of years in, in the early going there, but eventually I went, you know what? This is the same conversation that I had with, yeah. with my manager, which was, you hired me because I can do the job. Please let me just do the job. You're right. And if I don't do the job, then we can have a conversation. But just because you want it done, you know, A, B, C, D doesn't mean that A, D, B, C is wrong. Right. You know, one of, one of the things I swear, it's like the first thing any manager should learn, which is always surprising how few understand it. You get what you measure. Yeah. So if you're setting certain metrics for an employee... You're going to get those metrics. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and I swear it's like they always put the emphasis on the wrong thing. And what, what really did it for me with my last job. Yeah, that was my last one as well. But go ahead. <laughs> well, and I'll, I'll just mine. Mine is so stupid. But they're, they're just like, right. We noticed that you were because I'm working from home. Right, we noticed you were away for th this amount of time. And we require that if you're gone away from your workstation, not an active status for longer than 10 minutes, that you let somebody know. I was like, oh, that's what you want? You want me to never be inactive? Yeah. Oh, I can guarantee that. That's easy. I was trying to like be honest with you and do my work. Yeah. Yeah. Active for the rest of the time I worked there, which wasn't cool. very long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I had this conversation as well. Uh, we had uh, uh, someone instituted a policy uh both above and below my pay grade, I will say, uh, that uh, uh, we need to know when everyone is in the building and where they're at. And I have techs going to multiple client locations and everything else, and them coming in to do work, and they're all also responsible for things within the building. Um, and it's like, it's my job to manage them. And, and that's the end of it. You submit a ticket, and then I put a tech on that ticket and when that tech is available, they come and do that ticket. And if I need to bump up the priority, that's also my job as a manager to make mm -hmm. sure it gets done in a timely mm -hmm. fashion. And if it's not, then we get other people involved. But that's the delegation of responsibility there. Instead, 
all of my techs had to report in when they were leaving to go to a client site to, to go do things. And I went, you're adding bureaucracy where there doesn't need to be bureaucracy. No. Um, Not everything needs to be controlled, accounted right. for. Um, I also, as a manager for like nine years, uh, uh, had the expectation that the job would be done. And I had that expectation with my people and I had that expectation with my boss where, you know what? If it's Friday and it's three o'clock and I don't have anything left to do, I don't need to be here because no one's answering phones. No one's no. doing this. No one's doing that. No. The work is done. Um, nothing I need to do here. And so I would leave. And that was totally acceptable because you know what? Some other days it's 6 p.m. and I can't go home yet because there's still crap to do yeah. and it has to be done tomorrow. And that's, again, my job as a manager. Um, until we had this massive change in leadership and all of a sudden it became about, well, you're supposed to be here between these, this hour and this hour. And I said, okay, that's cool. But at this hour, I'm going home. Yeah. Whether the job is done or not. So right. if time is your expectation. Yeah, exactly. Then you get what you measure. Sorry, it's 4.30, I'm out. And, and, and I told every single one of my texts that same thing. I said, at 4.30, you clock out. I don't care if you were in the middle of like screwing in the last bolt. If it is 4.30, you're done. Walk away. You get what you measure. Yeah. Such a simple lesson that yields mm -hmm. a lot of different fruit depending on what you want to measure or not. Yep. I, I just, again, it should be the first thing that they teach every single manager that gets a job. Don't measure stupid stuff and yeah. you won't get stupid stuff. Yeah. Measure actual output that matters to your bottom line. No. That's what you measure. <sighs> you only have a problem when you have a problem. That's, that's also true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I, that was close to a... We got, we got a I, could have, I could have taken us there. I could have. You could have. It didn't feel right. Though, um, I think this one's going to be a lot of fun, though. All right. Uh, so... Uh, this was brought to my attention uh, on Chris Titus Tech's uh, Twitter earlier this week. Um, I, I guess it was like yesterday. Uh, that a user over on Reddit received a DMCA takedown or a DMCA uh, violation notice from Comcast because of BitTorrented files. Nothing out of the ordinary there, right? Sure. Like, I'm sure we've all received one or two of those at some point in time. No, not me. Not, I'm careful. Never. Never. Um, I really haven't. I'm not joking. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I received one, and then I wrote a tutorial on how to make a VPN gateway with a kill switch. So. <laughs> <sighs> uh, anyway, so the uh, the letter from... Xfinity reads as such. Dear blank, we've received a notice notification by a copyright owner or th its authorized agent reporting an alleged infringement of one or more copyrighted works made on or over your Xfinity internet service with an incident number and a reported date and time. Uh, it's all pretty standard, part, pretty part and parcel to, uh, to what it is. The copyright owner has identified the IP address associated with the Xfinity internet account. Uh, at the time, as the source of the infringing works, the works identified by the copyright, like, it, it's all standard stuff. <laughs> Steps I should take. Please make sure that all devices may uh, connected to your network mentioned in the complaint details below and delete them. Uh, 
the interesting part comes at the file mentioned below, which is Ubuntu 20.04 desktopamd.iso. <laughs> Does anyone see a problem with that copyright claim? Because <laughs> I certainly do. Um, yeah, Ubuntu 20.04 Pirate Edition. Let's let's go. Uh, yeah, they received a copyright violation notice for downloading a free and open source ISO of Ubuntu. Mm -hmm. uh, now, uh, this caught the attention of Ubuntu themselves. Uh, hey Ubuntu, please look into this and keep us updated. Comcast is claiming Ubuntu ISOs cannot be legally distributed be via torrent, which by the way is the way that I download my Ubuntu ISOs, as well as I host a seed here for all of, all of them because that's yeah. the way I download them. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense. It's the way I get all the newest releases and I want to make sure everyone else has, has fast access to them too without costing uh, Canonical or Ubuntu, you know, bandwidth time on their own servers. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, Ubuntu says, thanks for reaching out. Our legal team is aware of this and investigating. We will keep people updated. Uh, moving on to the actual copyright claimant. Uh, which apparently was OPSEC Security. Uh, OPSEC Security issued the following statement also on Twitter. OPSEC Security's DMC DCMA, they made a typo in their official statement. Uh, <laughs> DMCA notice sending program was spoofed on Wednesday, May 26th by unknown parties across multiple streaming platforms. The content in question all appears to be Ubuntu Linux ISO. We have, in, we have incontrovertible evidence that proves these DMCA notices were not perpetuated by the uh, were not perpetuated by or originated with OPSEC security. OPSEC's enforcement efforts are occasionally spoofed by a third party in an attempt to damage OPSEC's reputation. These attempts are easily identif identifiable and easily disproven. We are notifying the appropriate authorities about this incident. Um, so, just kind of another example of, number one, how terrible the DMCA system is. Yep. How many holes it has in it, how many exceptions, how many exclusions. Um, and they're all slanted towards RIAA, MPAA, um, and, and digital uh, content distributors. Uh, they're the ones with all the rights. You're the one who... Yeah. If it... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and here's the, the smoking gun on a lot of this. And let me go back to the Reddit post because there's someone who nails it pretty well. Um, so the first comment here is, that's actual perjury on their part. They have to sign under penalty of perjury that they have reason to believe they're authorized to bring a complaint on behalf of the copyright owner of the material they're DMCA, which is literally the language that's in there. However, unfortunately it's not. There's a loophole so stupid that nobody thought about it is that the exact wording is that it is allegedly infringing. Yeah. Not it is infringing, it's allegedly infringing. Yeah. So I have to submit under penalty of perjury that I believe you are allegedly infringing something. Yeah. <clears throat> you see how that could be misconstrued when you use every every verb and every noun in their proper context? Um, yeah, I can send, uh, you can send notices to whoever you like uh, alleging that they infringe on my my post copyright. 
you can't say I have permission for the rights to Little Mermaid. I'm gonna start sending takedown notices to anyone. You can say I have I have permission for the rights to drawing a cactus. Uh, and uh, I'm gonna start sending notices to anyone that hosts The Little Mermaid because they're infringing on that right. You don't have yeah. to claim the original yeah. thing. You just have to claim, well, they own something that we have, we, we're alleging that they have something that we have copyrighted. It, it's, getting out, it, it's getting outrageous. Mm -hmm. Novella Hub points out in the chat, and I wanna repeat this, never respond to a DMCA complaint <clears throat> unless, unless you have been subpoenaed or indicted or whatever else mm. never respond never send an email not back. just that it's, it's the same thing this don't, is not legal advice by the way yeah but never respond and don't talk to cops that's what they say right like yep. cops come knock on your door like you don't have to talk to me you don't have to open the door right unless they have a warrant yep and if they don't then don't open the door yep their job is to do their job well not for you to do it for them and make it easy on them yep. like they get paid a lot of money to do this a lot of overtime to do this and D, uh, DCMA uh, enforcement is kind of like a, being a cop, you know, I, internet police. And uh, they're making everybody's lives a lot harder. Yeah. And uh, one person I like to follow for a lot of this sort of stuff is Adam Neely on YouTube. And he's a he's a music educator. Yeah. But he's been like really deep diving into a lot of copyright infringement on music. Yeah. And some of his videos are so absurd because... He's following cases or he's getting DCMA strikes for music and they're claiming, oh man, th this was a huge web to untangle and I'm not going to do any justice. So y'all might just go follow Adam Neely now if you're interested in this. But essentially, he made a video about how this one song that so-and-so had the rights to was actually this whatever. And he created his own version that was different in such a way that was under fair use. And they they copyright struck the wrong song Here, here's here's that, here's the problem with fair use is it's only fair use after it has been deemed so by a court right you don't have fair use just because you say oh fair use or i'm just posting this for visibility or whatever no the copyright claimant can still say you're allegedly infringing our copyright even if it would hold up under fair use yeah and it's on the onus is on you under court of law to prove fair use, not for the copyright claimant to say, oh, that's fair use. That's fair. Yeah. That's cool. It is. Yeah. And and you know what? Their lawyers are still better than yours. Yeah. And it sucks. And that's what's crazy is that the whole point of the Adam Neely thing was that they uh they put a copyright strike on the wrong song. <laughs> And then they still had to fight it in order to, yeah. you know, because even though the, the DMCA is written to the point where you are guilty until proven innocent. Yeah. And the MPAA and RIAA wrote it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And then we got, the problem is, is it's, it's big Their money. Their campaign contribution dollars at work. Yeah. It's big money really supporting it. You, you look at it and it's a lot of like Warner Brothers and Disney and. It's billions. It's, it's it, billions. There's a lot of money. I will say yeah. kudos to Taylor uh, Swift. Oh God. Yeah. Dude. Uh, mad respect. I've always kind of liked her back in her country days. You know, uh, mm -hmm. the album Fearless was one of my guilty pleasures. And as she went on, whatever, but um, you know, I don't know anybody that follows this, but essentially, you know, she was uh, having Sony. a spat with, yeah, yeah, she was having a spat with her producers and all this sort of stuff, and they wanted her to sign on for X amount or whatever, and she did that. And anyway, the moral of the story goes that 
Um, when she stopped because Sony would not sell her back catalog to her, mm-hmm. she stopped granting the rights to her songs for use in movies, like the rights that pertain to the ideas of her songs, right? Because there's right. two separate types of rights. I, go, Adam Neely does a video on this. Go watch yeah, it. Yeah, it's great. And he, uh, but she stopped granting partial rights to her songs in movies. And so Sony is just hemorrhaging money on all of this back catalog. But because she owns the rights to the ideas behind the songs, she just went and re-recorded them all. Yeah. <laughs> and re-released her album. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Sony would not release her albums to her. And so she stopped signing the movie deals to get yeah. the, to get the, the albums put or the songs from the albums put into movies. Which is very lucrative for Sony, uh, yeah. um, and uh, and not so lucrative for Swift. So she had, <laughs> she uh, just said no. To it everything. was this back and forth, and she goes, "I got a, I got a bigger, uh, bigger stake in this than you do, um, or I have more power over this than you do." Um, and uh, Sony wouldn't budge. So and uh, because right. she couldn't, right? That be- was because she couldn't use her old albums anymore. She couldn't also release those tracks for use in in videos with her new producer or anything yeah. else. But she goes, "I still own the song itself, not the recorded version that Sony has. So I'm just going to re-record all my Dude, old crap." And the new recordings are so good. Yeah, they're so like they're so much wiser. Anyway. Yeah, so part of it was that she was like, I want to buy these tracks back. And they're like, no. Then they sold that back catalog to somebody else. And she's yeah. like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And that's when the table Just turned. a spider. Yeah. And, and she goes, well, screw you guys. Yeah. Watch so, this. That's been really cool. Adam yeah. Neely did a whole video on that, which I think uh, is Adam Neely is great. Uh, also, uh, Leonard French. Right. Uh, Lawful Masses. Uh, he, he's one that I watch a lot. He's He's an actual copyright attorney, practicing copyright attorney. And he does a lot of this copyright stuff, and it is fantastic. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. It's fun. Well, the fun thing that Adam Neely does is he uh, lends his expert testimony to copyright cases as, like, mm-hmm. a music expert. Because yeah. the way that they try to copyright things, they're like, well, it uses a... Like, man, all you got to do is look at the case between um, Queen and... You know, what's David Bowie, I guess. Yeah. Or not Queen. I don't know. May Ice Ice or you know, vanilla ice. Vanilla ice and, and queen. Mine goes like this. You know, yeah, it does the other thing. Mine has this extra note in it, you know, and it was good enough. This is like Adam Neely's like, well, they're trying to copyright a melodic thing that has this scale. And he's like, here's all of these other things in the world that have this melodic scale exactly how they say it. Yeah. So it's a really interesting breakdown of those. Yep. Uh, those types of cases because yep. they're so nonsensical. Um, there was there was another one um, where uh, Lady A, formerly Lady Antebellum, was accused of uh, ripping off the entire chorus and melody line from from a song that was written in like the seventies. Right. Um, and uh, it's like you can't copyright a chord progression, oh. uh, and and because the melody was vastly different. Even though the chord progression is the same, can you imagine if there was only one song ever written that was allowed to use one four five one or <laughs> like, right, yeah. like really like you can't copyright a chord progression um, and as long as the song is vastly different in the idea or execution, um, by the way, you also can't copyright using using the high two for your main melody line. <laughs> for for those in music, you, you know what the two is. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like who doesn't use the two in pop music? 
because because it's dissonant but also resolvable but also like yeah and and it and it it works in every single chord progression that you can possibly write and so as long as you can stay on that two you're good and then finally resolve it down to a one yeah people are really upset that we're talking about legal stuff without um having any sort of you know legal grounds so again we already stated it it's not legal advice we're just talking about i said this is not legal we're talking about rumors and gossip in the music world i mean for god's sake like i'm not a taylor swift expert by any means um so there you go there you have it let's move on and and drop that jeez uh remember we are all breaking uh, (laughs) the react bros copyright yeah by (laughs) reacting I know, dude. Uh, you can't. You can't do anything. Um, yep. Anyway, ACDC uses three chords. Uh, so do they sue themselves? <laughs> yeah. Well, one of my favorite ACDC jokes is, you know, ACDC was in this bar and this dude's, and he's and he's getting drunk and he's he didn't know they were there and he said, you know what, ACDC has ten albums and they all sound the same and and Angus Young turns around and he goes, hey, that's garbage. We got eleven albums. <laughs> <laughs> um gosh who was the uh i'm trying to remember the the name of the group they're an australian group uh that does the four chord song yeah axis 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 of awesome Uh, axis yeah yeah. um fantastic youtube watch uh yeah go go watch the uh the four chord song song. yeah it's pretty fun they hit all the all the big bangers in the last 40 years yeah all of them and they're all fantastic the the medley is just great yeah well, all right. Again, not legal advice. Let's not legal advice. Time. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. You're not an expert on Taylor Swift? Unsubscribed. Oh, it's a love story, baby. Just say yes. Like, Bro, love story ain't even the best song. It's not even close. It's but... all about you belong with me. Oh, that's a good one. Also, I'm really into Breathe. Breathe was, oof, love that one. See, I'm, I'm a... Uh, and, and I'm fearless. I, I can already tell. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> I, I i was gonna go back to uh oh tim mcgraw yeah T- tim mcgraw there, there's that one breathe there's also was that leanne rhymes or trisha Yearwood? i think it was leanne rhymes did a did a version of breathe oh i don't know gosh sorry i don't know i guess i'm not that big of yeah this is why they're unsubscribing they're just like come on i'm here for the tape swift fats yeah breathe leanne yeah, how do I live? Uh, or no, she did. How do I live? Um, yeah, I knew that one. Um, oh no, it was Faith Hill. Oh Faith yeah, Hill. yeah. That's the one I'm thinking of. <sighs> well, there you go. There you have it. Yep. Like and subscribe for Taylor Swift. Swat. Oh. Taylor Swift. I was gonna say Taylor Swat. Swat. Yeah, the artist formerly known as Taylor. It's trying to say like Swift and facts at the you know, same ca- time. Kind of go the same way as Prince here again <laughs> yeah. with Sony Music. Yeah, you know, say what you will about her, but just the courage it takes to just say no <laughs> and just take back her music, and then to just go into the studio and re-record it. All. I know. I love that it's yeah. so much. Oh God. Uh, Dunkel wants to know, Jeff, what is a sweet drink you can recommend besides the Mai Tai? Well, mm. it depends on how you make a Mai Tai. Honestly, um, uh, I've I've talked on the channel a couple of times about the what's known as the tourist Mai Tai, which is like, give me some orange and pineapple juice with yeah. grenadine and a crap ton of rum. 
It's not a Mai Tai. Um, and to me, a Mai Tai is not an overly sweet drink. It's actually kind of a, a punchy drink, especially if you float some 151 on top. Anyway, uh, if you're looking for a, a sweet drink, um, a traditional Cosmo is fantastic. Uh, cranberry, lime juice, uh, and uh, and a little bit of vodka. You can add like a quarter ounce of simple syrup to, to give it a little sweet. Um, let's see, what else? What else is a good, uh, oh, Amaretto Sour. Oh, there you go. Amaretto Sour, Boston style. Uh, it's an ounce and a half of Amaretto. Uh, so Di Serrano or Di Amore or any kind of Amaretto that you can find. Di Serrano. Uh, Di Serrano, yeah. Um, one ounce of uh, preferably like a 100 proof rye. Uh, then you do three quarter ounce lemon juice, three quarter ounce simple syrup, and an egg white. Egg white is important. It's key. It's very important. Not the whole egg, the egg white. Uh, pour that all into a shaker. Shake it without ice. Just just shake the living crap out of it because you want that egg white to emulsify and froth up. Uh, then after like 20 seconds or so, open your shaker up, add your ice, shake it again, strain into a rocks glass and enjoy. Uh, oh, uh, throw some Angostura bitters on top once you've poured all the foam out mm. because it will foam up with like this meringue style head and it is creamy and sweet and just so freaking delicious mm. and 80% booze. Mm. <laughs> Sounds good. That's my drink of choice if I'm going sweet. It's amaretto sour. Nice. I dig it. Okay. Uh, for Father's Day this year, Budweiser is trying something different. And that is giving you a free, or not free, but giving dad a year's worth of beer. A year's worth of beer. Yeah. For $5. I'm not joking. Uh, so Budweiser is selling what they call the dad card. Uh, I guarantee this will sell out almost instantaneously as soon as it's available. Well, what is the dad card? The dad card is a gift card that you can buy for $5 that actually has uh, $430 worth of credit on it to purchase Budweiser, which is good for the average cost of two cases of Budweiser per month. Pretty good. So it's a lot of Budweiser. You can stock forty-eight cans per month for this five-dollar card. That ain't bad. I mean, it's Budweiser, but it ain't bad. That's a great deal. That is a great deal. <laughs> it's five dollars for. That's a great for deal. twenty-four cases of Budweiser. Look, I'm passionate about this. Now, I am not a Budweiser fan, but I will defend domestic. But if I can find beers. one. If I can get my hands on that, 100%. And screw John for posting articles with auto-playing videos. Well, you ought to just have every, every tab muted. You know? I should. I mean, come on. We're professionals over here. I should. We're working on it. Yeah. Budweiser um, is not the greatest beer of all time, but for $5, yeah. you can get 48 cases of beer. 48? 24, 24 cases. cases. 48 cans per month for 12 months. You can get 24 cases of beer. It's it doesn't not a get bad better deal. than that. It's not a bad deal. Guess what? It's going to be hot out right. after June 18th when they go available. Maybe you're going to have some guests over because you're getting vaccinated. Yep. Throwing some barbecues. That's right. You're going to need some cheap beer to have in your backyard. Yep. Put in the ice chest. Unfortunately, the Budweiser doesn't bring my friends around. Doesn't matter. You got it there for the people who aren't beer people. That's true. That's true. I have it here for all my neighbors. This is called being a good host, Jeff. 
Now, you got your beer fridge stocked with the good stuff. And somebody said, Jeff, hook me up with the good stuff. You're a good host. You hook them up with the good stuff. But it's say, Jeff, I just want something ice cold to pour down my gullet that has a little bit of alcohol in it. What are you going to give them? What are you going to give them? Don't press the button and just not look at me, Jeff. <laughs> look. Rhett, I do not serve that swill in my home. Hey, you know what? For you, I will stock Rainier <laughs> when you are a regular employee. All right. I will have it on That's tap. All I, need. That's I, all I, need. I will have it on tap. Woof. Woof. He's going to put the tap right by my workstation. That's exactly right. <laughs> I will plummet all the way to your desk. I will do that. You can hold me to that. You can take that to the bank. All right. But I will not serve Budweiser in my house. Y'all heard it here. This is a verbal contract binding in the state of Oregon. <laughs> Look, now he just used it as Of course, a I'm going to have a way better tap at my desk. <laughs> I was going to say he uses this as the loophole to not hire me. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, you're a contract employee. <laughs> oh, I love it. But look, this is, you know, everybody gives me crap. Wait, didn't Uber lose that? Damn it. (laughs) They did in Oregon. Yeah, they did. And, well, I don't know about California, but in Oregon for sure. Oregon was just like, we don't care what you, you can go ahead and tell everybody that they're contractors. Yeah. But legally they aren't. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, I'm definitely buying myself one of these dad cards is what it is. And and I don't blame you. I really don't. By the way, we did miss a super chat. Uh, $5 again from Andrew. Thank you again, Andrew, so much. Uh, do you think someone could spoof a DMCA against an individual under the guise of a legitimate company? Here's the deal. The only thing that you need to <laughs> submit a DMCA to anyone is you need to allege copyright infringement has taken place. Uh, and you need to allege that it's your copyright that has been infringed or you're acting as a third party, uh, as a third party agent to the copyright holder. That's all that needs to happen. Um, what third party agent is, usually it has some business or financial tying to the copyright holder. And you can't just go copyright claiming things that at random that you see like, oh, Sony owns that. I'm gonna copyright that on behalf of Sony. I'm now an agent of Sony. No, you're not. Um, But you could say, like the Reddit comment said, again, I am not a lawyer. I draw pictures of of cacti. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to file a DMCA against this person who downloaded a copy of Rango. Yeah, you know, the Johnny Depp animated. Oh, I know. Yeah. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, yeah. It's like what yeah. the third or fourth uh, Pirates of the Caribbean film. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna DMCA everyone who's ever downloaded a copy of that because they're infringing on my copyright for having a cactus present in the film. Those are my cactuses. Yeah. Those those are artistically copied from me, allegedly. That's all you need. There you go. That's why the system sucks. Now what we need to do is uh, DCMA. Uh... DMCA. You're falling into the OPSEC. Oh, yeah. Digital Millennium Copyright Act. 
dang, I kept doing that even before. You did. No wonder they kept asking us to say that we're not lawyers. Yeah. I'm not a lawyer. I've been saying the wrong acronym. If you think Brett is a lawyer. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> not even close. Nope. Uh, well, in that case, that negates the joke I was going to make about Budweiser. <laughs> Uh, can't say I didn't try. Yep. Can't say I didn't try. Okay. Uh, we do have a couple more beer notes to get to. Uh, Berkshire Mountain Distillers has released three new craft beers based on whiskey. Um, and forgive me, but I didn't read this one straight up, but it is, uh, yeah, it's Sam Adams Boston Lager American Whiskey. There you go. Uh, they had two others as well. Uh, this was part of a five-year collaboration uh between uh berkshire mountain distillers and berkshire brewing sam adams uh sam adams jack abbey and berkshire brewing there we go um so the yeah five-year collaboration includes in total uh the distilling of a dozen different beers from a limited collection of northeast craft brewers uh in addition to each edition is blended to 86 proof using Berkshire Mountain spring water and packaged in custom bottles with brewer designs. So they're basically taking these, these well-known beers. So Sam Adams Boston Lager, my personal favorite lager. Yeah, I love Boston Lager. Um, and, beer. and distilling that down into a whiskey using, using Berkshire as a distiller. That sounds great. Sounds great. Solid, solid idea. Let's try it. Honestly, I want a Boston Lager winter ale whiskey. That'd be great. That's that's what I want. That'd be great. Like the lager, yeah, I'll, I'll, I can take that. I could also leave it. I want a Boston Lager winter ale sure. whiskey. Sure. I walked the Freedom Trail and drank a Boston Lager at every stop. You told me. Yep. What else did I tell you, Jeff? That there is a that, bar that you, across the street across from the Sam, street Adams, from Sam Adams' grave. So you drank a Sam Adams across the street from Sam Adams' corpse. I drank a cold Sam Adams across the street from a cold Sam Adams. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. But you basically had the story. I just had to throw that in to be pithy. No, that's... You know what? I either tell the story right or I don't. So... <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I could definitely see his tombstone from the bar. Yeah. It's literally across the street. Y'all yep. should check it out. Yep. I highly recommend it. Also, just a great bar. Yep. Perfectly chill. Anyway, this was a five-year collaboration with a number of different brewers. Uh, you can see over here the uh, uh, the Big Elm 413. They made it to an American whiskey. Uh, Spencer and UFO White. Those yeah. have been some of the earlier ones. Um, and Sam Adams. Uh, uh, Boston Lager is next on the list. So Cool. Very cool stuff. Love it. This one I figured would uh, tickle your fancies. That this this particular story. Did you read this story? I, I didn't know. Okay, okay. This one's good. This one's really good. All right. Let's um, hear it. So uh, this story goes back uh, to 1994, maybe 95, um, when the Nintendo 64 was not yet finalized. And they were working on Nintendo, when I say they, they were working on early release titles. So both launch titles and early cycle releases uh, for first party games. Now, obviously that includes their first party titles. That includes Nintendo or Mario 64. That includes what became Zelda Ocarina of Time. 
um, and a number of other titles. There was one particular uh, developer who they had hired uh, to work on some of uh, the early prototypes of The Legend of Zelda that he ended up having some really good ideas for. Uh, so the 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 developer in question is is uh, goes by the name of Giles Goddard, uh, and he was recently interviewed by who who interviewed him? Gosh, I, I feel Min terrible. Max. Min Max, yeah. Uh, Min Max recently did an interview with him talking about some of the early Nintendo sixty four development days, uh, and specifically they were talking about the early prototypes in 1994 that, in, that, that Nintendo debuted as saying the Nintendo 64 is coming and here's some of the stuff that it's capable of. And Goddard was on the team that was responsible for creating the very first 64-bit Zelda demo, which was essentially just a tech demo of uh, a very weird looking Link. Um, like think of like Link from Link 2. Right. The Adventure of Link. Right. Um, Think of that 2D version of Link just made into a 3D, uh, very triangular, you know, creature. Uh, no real facial features, just triangles. Uh, kind of somewhere between like st the Star Fox for the SNES and what we know as the Legend of Zelda right, Ocarina right. of Time. Somewhere in between that. Um, he was fighting some kind of like metallic creature which had full mirror effects on him. And they said they were using uh, ambient occlusion, particle effects, and global illumination or so. Like they were using those, they were showing off those features within that demo. And he goes, I was part of the programming team that built that demo. And uh, he goes, I also worked on some of Ocarina, what, what became the final release of Ocarina of Time. And uh, he goes, I recently was, uh, was going through some old directories and I found a copy of some of the source code that I had backed up when I was working on that project. And uh, he goes, one of the interesting things that I had done was uh, was one of the things in source code that I had was the map. So, so it was an early map and you had Hyrule Castle in the background. And one of the things that I had developed was you would look through a portal and you would be able to walk through it and then be in that section of the map. And so uh, he goes, and and the the orientation of the map that you were looking at would change based on how you were holding it or looking at it. And so he goes, you could look at Hyrule Castle over here and then turn to the left and see this thing over here. And then you can kind of like pull the portal over yourself and be teleported into that world instantaneously. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, Minmax stops him and goes, wait, so you developed portals before portal was portal like 10 years earlier and he goes yeah i had it fully working and uh and he goes that's mind-blowing that's absolutely mind-blowing and he goes yeah no I, I had it fully working i should have turned it into a game and sold it because yeah um hindsight's 2020 right but when portal came out um he goes i looked at that and went yeah i already did that yeah like that's that's literally what I had designed. Now, I didn't have a gun to shoot it, but I had a portal that you could walk through using Ocarina of Time. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, it just sounds like a good development tool that you would use mm -hmm. when you're trying to debug certain mm -hmm. aspects, you know, do some QA. Right. The the uh, the thing that they were uh, tasked to do by Nintendo was push the limits of the hardware. Oh, right. Because um, one thing Nintendo does exceedingly well is their first-party titles. Yeah. And their first-party titles do one thing exceedingly well, and that's take advantage of the hardware that Nintendo has put out there. Oh, yeah. Um, Look at all the Switch titles look at everything that nintendo has done first party they have some some occasional misses you not know many. not many though and and everyone when the wii came out who who didn't make fun of the wii for being a stupid idea who didn't make fun of it not not before or before playing it who didn't make fun of it but then all of a sudden you got your family at thanksgiving and you're all playing wii bowling yeah and it's the greatest video game you've ever played yeah super fun yeah, for sure. And and that's what Nintendo does is they put hardware out there and then they make that hardware the funnest thing you've ever done. Yeah. They do that better than anyone else. And he was tasked, Goddard was tasked tasked with show off the capabilities of this hardware. And so he had developed and had fully working code for having Link walk through a portal from one area of a map to another and have it working seamlessly. He goes, I didn't have a portal gun. Sure. Crystals that you could look at with uh, like geodesic crystals that you could look at. And then you would like pull them over and you'd be in that new area. Wow. He goes, no loading, no nothing. Just done. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean. So uh, the games that might have been. Right. And that that's what's really interesting when you really look at a lot of like dev diaries almost in a way like yeah. that because there is a lot of innovation coming especially when it comes to you know maybe i don't know if this is necessarily classified as like a dev tool or not but mm -hmm. you look at the way that valve has pushed gaming um and part of what was really oh, yeah. innovative for their model early on look at half-life part of what made half-life one so successful was they put these tools out there and people were able to they put they put these tools out there that they used to develop develop in their own process and mm -hmm. that became the you know like the 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 mod kit the construction kit type stuff yeah and people are making counter-strike and and making these interesting things and they use those same tools to create all of the half-life one expansions yep and then they created the they they created the uh gravity gun and Half-Life mm -hmm. 2 as a dev tool, a way for them to manipulate the game, to push the hardware and the and mm -hmm. the software to its limits. Half-Life at its core has always been a tech demo with a really damn good game inside right. of it. Which is really what Portal is too. Yeah. Which is really what Half-Life 2 is as right. well. Like this is this is what's really crazy. I mean, look at uh I mean, Half-Life 2 is obviously a great game, and so is Half-Life. Have 1. you played Half-Life Alex yet? I have not. Oh god. I know. And I have somebody, I have a friend who has a really good VR setup and all the hardware necessary and has Half-Life Alex. Mm -hmm. And he's somewhere really close nearby, but I've yeah. just I've just not received the invite yet. And it's really it's a real bummer. He'll never call. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, what's interesting about the portal thing is that it itself was a tech demo yeah. from a, a couple of college students. Yeah. And they were showcasing this game that they, I think they called it something Narbocular Drop or something like that. Narbocular yeah. Drop. Yeah. And it was a game, you, you were like a wizard with a wand and you create portals. And Valve was over and like, you're going to come make a game for us. Yeah. 
And they did. And they went on to lead a team at Valve and create Portal, which itself, like, I think there's so many more interesting things you could do with the Portal gun in essence. But if you're going to make a game out of it, yeah, it's got to be this tech demo that's just a series of more complicated puzzles. Yeah. Um, and they made a great experience. Everybody raves about um, about Portal 1 and Portal 2. Yeah. And uh, unfor- I couldn't get through them because I get a little, little motion sick. But, ah. um, but I enjoyed the first, you know, 10 levels of each game. Um, I love Portal. It's yeah. one of my favorite all-time games. Magical experience. Yeah. Magical experience. And that's one game like where you earn it, you know? Like you continue to build upon everything that you know from top to bottom until you're doing the most insane stunts all the way through. Yeah. So... No, this is, but this is interesting. I'd, I'd like to know, I'd like to hear more about the little pieces of dev history that were lost to time like oh, this was. Oh, because, yeah. I mean, that's that's crazy to think how far ahead of its time it was. Yeah. And never implemented anything until way later. Um, I love watching uh, Modern Vintage Gamer uh, do a lot of his breakdowns because he goes through some of the development steps for some early consoles and, uh, and, and even modern consoles. But uh, there's one I remember in particular uh, about... Uh, the Sonic and Knuckles cartridge. Did you ever have a Sega Genesis? Yeah, and I had the Sonic. So- you, you had Sonic and, and Knuckles, and that was the one where you could plug in the other cartridge. Yes, into it to play other characters and stuff. Yes. Um, so for those who don't know, gosh, this is old. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sonic and Knuckles was a game for the Sega Genesis. It was like Sonic Five. Uh, four. Okay. It was the fourth one. Um, so. So the Sega Genesis had Sonic the Hedgehog as a release title. Then it had Sonic 2 and Sonic 3. Um, And uh, the games were just cartridge games. You plugged them into the Sega Genesis and powered it on and played the game. Um, Then Sega came out with a game called Sonic & Knuckles. And the cartridge was a little bit different in that it looked kind of like a Game Shark or a Game Genie where it had a cartridge slot on top of the cartridge that you could slot another cartridge into for cartridgeception and play Knuckles in some other games. Uh, Now, the three notable ones are Sonic 1, 2, and 3. Uh, You could plug those cartridges in and play as Knuckles in the original Sonic the Hedgehog game. Yeah. Um, I mean, think about DLC as we know it today. This was, if you own the original game, you get three extra games by buying this cartridge. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Um, and, and I loved that, that setup and that feature and, and it made some of the original games very, very interesting on, on a second playthrough. Yeah. Um, but, uh, modern vintage gamer does this deep dive into the, the, the hexadecimal memory addressing of how did it know which game was firing up? How did it actually inject the code that it needed to plus read the data assets off the, the old one? Uh, and Sonic 1 in particular, it was using only, um, uh, it had half the memory of Sonic 2 and Sonic 3, and Sonic and Knuckles, the cartridge, needed to access the memory and actually have more RAM available because of the moves that Knuckles could pull off and the animations that he had. And so how did they take the old game and implement new memory addressing for it? And and all this this weird esoteric stuff just for these particular games that use just straight up straight memory addressing to make all this work yeah uh really interesting watch i love a lot of his content um if you haven't checked him out go check out mvg modern vintage gamer great plug good stuff good stuff 
Oh, Skull has a great idea. They should have added Knuckles into something super strange like NBA Jam. They should have allowed yes. you to plug in a ton of different cartridges. You could plug in a ton of different cartridges, and uh, most of them were not usable. There were a couple of other cartridges that would give you some some odd results. Yeah. Um, but uh, actually, what were the... Uh, let's see. Oh boy. Sonic and Knuckles. Let's see if we have. It's going a... to the Wikipedia, folks. Yep. Use Control F. What are you doing? I'm just. I scrolled through really quick because I wanted to see if there was a game list. Yeah, there wasn't. Um. But yeah, you know, it's that kind of interesting. Um, uh huh? No? No. It, it makes you wonder the things. It would have been interesting to see them. You know, that would have obviously taken a lot more, I think, uh, resources that you, than you can include in mm -hmm. one cartridge. But just imagine all, like, these little Easter eggs or something that you could do with lots of different Sega games. And, you know, yeah, you got, like, uh, God, I can't, I'm struggling to even think of some of my Sonic, or Sonic, Sega games. Um, but it would have been fun. Urban Strike, cool. Clay Fighter, Mortal Kombat, NBA Jam. Mm -hmm. Like, let's mm -hmm. put... Yeah, and, and again, you run out of memory very quickly on these old cartridges. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're talking one megabyte and half a megabyte total ROM space on, yeah. on these cartridges. Um, so, yeah. All right. People are signing, starting to sign off. It's 1 a.m. on the East Coast. It's 10 p.m. here. And uh, that's usually time for us to sign off as well. Uh, any closing thoughts? Anything to plug? Uh, nothing nothing too big to plug, but if y'all want to come check me out over on Twitter at Red is Awesome or follow my game dev podcast at gamedevsquest.com or my D&D podcast at chaoticamateurs.com or, or, hey, for those of you memory impaired, taintfloss.com. Taintfloss.com. Just for you guys. Go check it all out. Uh, we got weekly episodes over there. Game Dev taking a little bit of a hiatus, but we'll be back someday. And there's a big back catalog there for uh, some of you completionists to go check out. And uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, coming coming back. We're good. We're hopefully do some more live shows as we keep going. So excellent. Uh, I don't think I have anything to plug. I've got a video coming out either Friday or Saturday, depending on when he gets his act in order. Uh, hey, the, the content's there. The bosses just can't even let me have a live show. I can't, can't even let me have a live I show. I can't. <laughs> uh, anyway, it'll be up whenever he gets off his butt and decides to do something for once. Uh, Get what you measure. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> just teasing. Uh, if you like this show, make sure to hit that thumbs up button. Subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already. Follow me on Twitter at Craft Computing. Follow Red at Red is Awesome or at Game Devs Quest. Uh, make sure to like this video. I already said that. Uh, what $1 else? One dollar a month at Patreon.com. One dollar a month to Patreon or Floatplane. You'll get exclusive access to the Discord server. You can chat directly with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all of the hosts from Talking Heads, and take part in the ever-growing community over there. And it really is an awesome place to hang out. Uh, I think that's about it. Join us every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Pacific time right here on YouTube for the latest in beer and tech news. This has been episode 185 of Talking Heads. And as always... See you next week.